I'm always up for a challenge when it comes to creating clothing. And my previous work was very complicated. So um, I, I was just up for the challenge. And, and the term adaptive clothing wasn't even in my vocabulary. I didn't even know the term. Um, I just, you know, I just looked at her as a human being who needed some custom work. And um, I didn't, you know, the, the fact that she had a disability or was a wheelchair user wasn't anything that was going to stop me from helping her. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. I think there's a perception that people with disabilities are not interested in fashion. And I suppose that's true for some people with disabilities, just as it would hold true for the able-bodied population at large. Nonetheless, the idea persists, which means that if you are a person with a disability who is in their teens or a young adult, or maybe you're getting dressed to go out for a party or an outing with friends and family, or maybe you're heading for an interview or a work conference, you might genuinely be faced with the question, what on earth do I wear? Clothing can either be accessible or beautiful, but rarely is it both. Today, we discuss accessible fashion as function. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Joyita Gupta. In this three-part series, we'll be looking at accessible fashion. Why accessible fashion, you ask? Well, why not? It's a fundamental aspect of who we are as people. You are what you wear. Isn't that what they say? And I feel that we don't spend enough time talking about people with disabilities and something as fundamental as clothing and fashion. If you're well-dressed, you have so much confidence to go out into a world, one that is often rife with barriers and ableism and attitudinal challenges. But if you look good and feel good, well, there's no stopping you. At least that's my perception. So I thought, why not spend a little bit of time talking to the movers and shakers in the fashion community in Canada? A lot of us don't think of Canada and specifically Toronto as a hotbed for fashion. But as it turns out, there are some really incredible people doing some terrific work to make fashion, clothing, and the opportunity to live with dignity and confidence accessible to people with disabilities. So I'll be looking at different facets of the conversation around accessible fashion with three different creators. I'll be speaking to the three people over three weeks, and our conversations will range from the thinking about accessible fashion as a function, so just thinking about, you know, clothing is something you wear, but also exploring deeper conversations about accessible fashion, about how it helps people with disabilities find a community or make connections, and finally, thinking through accessible fashion and universal fashion, inclusive fashion design, as a social good. So I hope you'll join me on this three-part journey. I'll tell you towards the end of our of my conversation today about the guests that we'll be speaking to over the next two weeks. But I'm delighted to welcome to the studio fashion designer Izzy Camilleri. Izzy is a well-known name in the fashion world. She's dressed several A-listers and her work has been featured in various publications. But after receiving a phone call from a woman with a disability, Izzy's, Izzy's life was changed and her work was changed. She's now the creator of a clothing label design that designs clothing for people with disabilities. 
It's called is is, a, is it's called is adaptive and has the really cool slogan of fashion is freedom. Izzy Camilleri, hello and welcome to The Pulse. I'm so delighted you could join us on the program. Thank you for having me. Izzy, a few years ago, you were living your best life. I mean, you were dressing A-listers, your collection, your work was being featured in all sorts of magazines. And yet one day you receive a phone call that completely changes your life, changes your thinking, and most importantly, changes your work. Could you describe that moment for us? Uh, well, I I was I got a call from a woman named Barbara Turnbull who uh, was left quadriplegic from a shooting that she experienced when she was 18 years old, and her name was very uh, you know it was in the media when it happened, and so when she called me, I knew who she was, and um, just quite taken back because um, I I'd never worked with someone with a disability, and I. You know, I wanted to help her, but I, I also was a bit nervous. And um, so, yeah, I just I just remember because she was kind of famous because of what happened to her. So it was a, a memorable conversation. You know, in fairness, if I stop to think about it, Izzy, someone else confronted with that phone call might have turned around and said, well, look, Barbara, I'm sorry. I hear what you're saying, and I'm sorry that there isn't really a lot out there for you as a person with a disability. But I don't really think this is something I can do for you. It's beyond my skill set. It's far too complicated. I wonder, Izzy, what was going on in your life at that time that made you see this not as a complication, but as an opportunity, as a way for you to rise to the occasion? Well, I'm um, I'm always up for a challenge when it comes to creating clothing. And my previous work was very complicated, so... Um, I I was just up for the challenge and and the term adaptive clothing wasn't even in my vocabulary. I didn't even know the term. Um, I just, you know, I just looked at her as a human being who needed some custom work. And um, I didn't, you know, the, the fact that she had a disability or was a wheelchair user wasn't anything that was going to stop me from helping her. As you say, adaptive clothing wasn't even really being talked about at that time when you got that phone call from Barbara. So what were some of the initial challenges that you had in designing clothes for someone who was in a wheelchair? I literally had to uh, rethink the wheel in a way. Um, Clothes are generally designed for a standing frame. And when we sit down in our clothes, they actually get all bunched up and kind of weird um, when we sit in pants, they, especially like jeans, for example, they cut us in our gut and they ride down at the back. Um, and they're, they're quite uncomfortable, but, but for people that are ambulatory and are able to, you know, get up after a while from sitting for long periods of time, you know, we get relief from the way that our clothes are ill-fitting when we're sitting. So I had to kind of flip that and make the clothes work while sitting and and not really work as well when standing. So I had to, you know, make them more comfortable, take that pressure off the your waistline in the front, make them higher in the back, or even coats. If you're paralyzed, you can't stand up to tuck a long coat underneath you when you're sitting. So the coat needed to be uh, be worn from a seated position. And, and, you know, cover your lap, 
for example, like people usually just buy short coats, for example, like a weight like that go to the waist because it's too difficult to deal with a coat. Um, but then your lap gets really cold and snowed on and rained on. And so there's lots of things that had to be kind of reconsidered when designing this type of clothing. It's also true that for anyone with a significant or severe disability, they often get assistance with dressing. So they'll have an attendant coming to help them take on their take off their clothes or put them back on. Is that something that you needed to factor in when you were making designs for people in wheelchairs? Because I would hazard a guess that before you came on the scene, that was all that people were thinking about. And so much so that what was important for the attendant would often supersede what the person with a disability might want or need. So how did you balance those two things? Yeah, definitely. And I when I stepped in and I started doing my research, I saw that most of what was available was for uh, people that lived in long-term care and for the elderly. But like Barb, for example, she was, you know, middle-aged. She was working as a professional and um, she wanted clothing that was stylish as well as functional. So, uh, and she is someone who does need a caregiver. Um, a lot of my customers, I kind of like divide my customers into two halves, like people that, you know, do need help in dressing and then people that don't. So some of my clothes do accommodate people that need help in dressing and the clothes are kind of designed in a way to make that easier for the caregiver. And then I have other things that are easy for people to put on independently when they're they're not someone who needs that extra care and dressing. So yeah, lots of things to consider. Well, I w- this would be a really good place to ask you what some of the features are of your line of adaptive clothing and what makes them disability inclusive. So if I went and bought a few things from your collection, what all would I find that would be different from something I could just pick up at a store? Well, um, right now, one of the, the biggest and most important features is um, a seamless back pant which um, I created from a lot of people asking me for years and years and years to make a seamless back pant because the seam at the center of a pant can cause a pressure sore, especially for people that are paralyzed and they're not feeling the discomfort. And what's happening is that the the tip of the tailbone is pressing down on the skin. And if you're wearing a pair of jeans or even like a pair of track pants, that center seam can be quite thick. And it's the same kind of thing like the a bed sore that the elderly get, and it's it can be life threatening if if it if it goes too far. Um, so I created a seamless back pant, which reduces the risk. Yeah, I can't I can't even imagine that to be honest with you. In your TED talk, when I was listening to it, you mentioned that you started designing your clothing a clothing for yourself at the age of nine. What is it that sparked off your interest in clothes, design, and fashion? My mom used to make us our clothes, me and my sisters, when we were young. And um, she taught us how to sew at a very young age. And my sisters didn't really enjoy it. And I did. And it was just a hobby and, and something that I really enjoyed as a little girl. And um, I started making clothes for my dolls and my friends and myself. And it was like a hobby that turned into a career. And... As we mentioned before in our conversation, at around the time that you met Barbara and started to design clothing for her, you were in a a 
tremendously good position in your career. And granted, it's been about 10 years now, so things in the fashion world have undergone some change. But I'd be very curious to know what sort of reception you got from your colleagues in the fashion world, whether they were supportive of your attempts to design clothes for people with disabilities or if they were just taken aback wondering what on earth are you doing? Initially, they they didn't understand why I was leaving um, the world of like glam and high fashion and celebrities and, and all of that. Um, but something was really driving me and, um, I knew that I was onto something really important. And I also felt that, you know, there was so much out there for, you know, the, the, the able-bodied population that, you know, this was just such important work that I, I, I realized that I kind of stumbled onto that, and it was so needed that I didn't, it, it was kind of a no brainer. And, um, and the more, you know, thoughts would come to my head just about like, you know, initially the first couple of people I w- was working with were wheelchair users that were paralyzed. And I started looking up the statistics on the amount of people like in Canada that, that were paralyzed. But then I realized like, oh my God, there's so many other disabilities out there and and reasons why someone would have challenges with clothes and so the numbers just kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and I you know I just realized that oh my god like this is like so much white space and so much untapped um you know such an untapped market not to mention the 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 aging population and the baby boomers yeah, no, you you make a really good point. It is an untapped market. But with that said, if I think back to 10 years ago, I don't think there was a lot out there uh, on the shelves or in the racks for major clothing stores. I certainly don't remember seeing anything that I would say was accessible or inclusive uh, fashion. So yes, you're right. There was clearly people. There were clearly people out there who needed this clothing. But then you were faced with the challenge of starting a business and getting your product to the people who needed it. So how did that all turn out for you? I mean, the business side of things. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wasn't able to to sell to retailers because it was too, I guess, revolutionary at the time that I created it. But my answer was just to create my own online store, and and that way, I didn't need to rely on other retailers and I can just um, sell it through my own my own store. Of course, uh, as we both noted, things have changed quite a bit since then. And you met, well, you wear many hats. One of them is as a consultant, uh, often working with large chains or labels, encouraging them to adopt some facets of accessible design into their clothing. Can you tell me a little bit about what that work looks like for you and how you actually go about working with large labels to get them to introduce accessible fashion design into their clothing? Mm-hmm. Um, well, often people um, look to me to, to kind of see how I've done it. And um, I, I share to a certain, you know, point because I, I really feel like, you know, as it's just like when you're teaching somebody anything, they need to they need to go out there and and speak to people and understand what the issues are. Um, uh, but yeah, there there have been major brands that that have approached me to 
to um because they want to get they want to do their own like capsule collection or or create clothes that are more inclusive for their customers you know uh, to be perfectly honest with you and this just feel free to chalk this up to me just not knowing the first thing about fashion but when i think about places in the world well known for fashion i often think about paris milan New York, uh, not so much Toronto, sorry to say it, but I am curious about whether in your mind there has been an evolution in Toronto specifically, but Canada broadly to to be more accepting and to embrace adaptive clothing and accessible fashion. What sort of change have you seen, Izzy? Well, it's definitely growing. Um, now in universities and colleges, they are teaching or speaking about adaptive clothing. I get a lot of you know, students doing projects and, and there's definitely a heightened interest. And there are some companies coming out from Toronto um, and, and Canada that, that are catering to people that live with a disability. You mentioned earlier in our conversation how much this was a hobby for you and a source of enjoyment and fun. As you continue to design clothes for people with disabilities, how has that affected your creativity and your enjoyment of the work? Are there moments when you feel more frustrated or do you just generally find the work truly rewarding and enjoyable as it has always been for you? Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, the line, however, that I do, um, like when I when I first started, when I decided to do and to create is adaptive, I realized that I needed to start it, I needed to start at ground zero. I needed to create just wardrobe basics because that didn't exist. And I also thought that that would be like the safest place for me to start because, you know, if I came out with very high fashion pieces, I wouldn't really be selling a lot of them. So um, I needed to find just those core pieces that we all have in our wardrobes so that, you know, the, the, the line would be more approachable for people and it wouldn't be anything that was too niche or too fashionable or too much or too over the top or too detailed or complicated. So that's what is adaptive has really been built on is just wardrobe basics. And then I do throw in some fashion in there um, to also inspire people to, to not feel that they can't push boundaries a little bit. And, and I think too, you can take a, a wardrobe basic, but then style it, you know, even if you throw on a leather jacket, for example, or or, or a really pretty scarf or, you know, add some color to your wardrobe. Um, you know, you can, you can turn it into anything, but is adaptive is really based on wardrobe basics. Well, you can't throw out terms like wardrobe basics without expecting those of us who want to make sure we have everything that we need in our wardrobes and we're checking off all those boxes. So Izzy, what are these wardrobe essentials that we all need to have? And which of these items can we find in your collection? Jeans. Uh, chinos, sweatpants, uh, leggings for women or men, if you want to wear them, um, coats, uh, a suit, dress pants, t-shirts, you know, uh, sweaters. Yeah. So those are, those I, I would say are things that we all kind of have in our closet. Yes, but there are so many challenges, as you know, for people with disabilities not finding those essential pieces of clothing that work for their bodies. I'm curious about the kind of feedback you might have gotten, not just from people with disabilities, although, of course, I'd like to hear about that. But I'm also curious about whether able-bodied people have had any sort of feedback about your work and about your concepts and ideas around accessible design. 
when I had never thought and about adaptive clothing before I met Barbara Turnbull and I get a lot of people telling me like, oh my God, I never, I never thought about that before. I never thought because when you see someone they're dressed and what you don't realize is what it actually took to get dressed or how limited their options are with clothing. So, you know, it's enlightening for people that, that have never had to think about this before. And for the people that think about it on a daily basis, um, you know, I do get a lot of gratitude and, um, you know, I've, I've had people, uh, as I mentioned in my Ted talk, there was one woman who said that, that the skirt she had purchased made her feel human again. Um, that was huge. Uh, I recently had a gentleman who I did some custom work for and um, he was just lost for words when, when we were kind of saying bye to each other. He said like the, I think he said the joy he felt today was indescribable. And, um, and I, I, you know, I could, I could tell that he, he was filled with emotion when he was saying that. So, you know, how could I not want to do this work when, when it, it's just so life-changing for people and, um, and, you know, just something that I can, I, I can put my talents to and, and contribute to people's lives in such a positive way. You know, it's so nice to talk to you because you're someone who has in your time broken down so many barriers and the work really has been life changing for the people you have managed to dress and for you as well. What's next for you, Izzy? Is there something that you're working on that I might be able to persuade you to plug right here on the program or to tease for us? Um, I do have some exciting news coming up in February that I can't I can't share right now because because um, uh, it's, it's kind of a big announcement. Um, so stay tuned for, for February. Um, other than that, you know, just continuing to expand the line and, um, I'm hoping to do children's wear at, at some point. I don't have a definite time for that. Um, also, you know, again, with expanding the line, I'd love to get into footwear, um, other kind of like smaller items like socks and, you know, things, things that, that people need and just really turn is adaptive into like the go-to brand for all your clothing needs. Well, Izzy, thank you very much for speaking to us today. It was such a pleasure hearing about your work. Good luck to you. And thank you again for appearing on the program. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was Canadian fashion designer Izzy Camilleri. You can check out her collection, Is Adaptive, online. Next week, we'll be talking to the creator of June Adaptive. Wendy Wong is someone who wanted to create an accessible line of clothing after her favorite aunt acquired a disability. And Wendy, with a background in fashion, realized her aunt had nothing to wear. I hope you'll tune in for that conversation as we continue to explore the many facets of accessible fashion. If you have any feedback for me, write to us at feedback at ami.ca or give us a call at 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to leave permission to play the audio on the program. You can, of course, comment down below if you're listening to the podcast or following us on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe. We would love to have you 
Subscribe so that you can be notified about future episodes. And of course, if you are on X, you can find AMI Audio at AMI Audio. And you can find me at Chuita Gupta. Use the hashtag PulseAMI to let us know the tweet is about this program. I hope you will tune back into the program as we continue to investigate accessible fashion in all its many and varied forms. The videographer for this episode is Ted Cooper. Our video editor is Jordan Steves. Marka Flawler is our technical producer. And Andy Frank is the manager for AMI Audio. And I've been your host, Chuita Gupta. Thanks for listening. <laughs>